Good evening, citizens. My name is Ban Shattersong, captain of the Bloody Hands Mercenary Company, as you might or might not already know. And today I'm going to drop an episode around the Winds of Fortune concerning Navarre. Or more specifically, it's going to be concerning a handful of people, Navarre, but mainly those who live in Thurunen, or those with herb gardens, uh, the Thimble, which is one of our national national boss seats. Uh, I think it produces Weirwood, and it was elected at the last... No, E1, if I remember correctly. The Dredgemaster of Feverwater, which is a set of, I think, dilapidated docks in the Runin. Uh, if they are, essentially, if they have been, if they are going to be improved and renovated, then that gives us like a sea route to attack the Druze from. And then also, if you're any part of the Imperial Senate or an apothecary. So this is the article called Make a Deal, and I'm going to run through it now. And before I jump in, yes, this is a new format of episode. No longer, I'm going to try and be ban pretending to care about Thurunin, because I just couldn't do that. <laughs> I just, just Thurunin, wet swampy place, just the last place Ban wants to be. He wants to be on the course. The course? Gosh, jeez, don't know what came out there. He wants to be on the coast. The coast of the Brass Coast. Perhaps with his family from Feroz, rip. But for the moment, he's not going to get that. So Thurunin are not going to get the proper treatment. Anyway, I'm rambling. Let's begin. During the spring equinox, the Cardinal Darian Numbers focused the eyes of the Prosperity Assembly on Thurunin. Virtuous folk have turned their attention to the Navari territory, looking for opportunities to increase the prosperity of the inhabitants, and with particular attention being paid to the docks and, air quotes here, neighbours. Thurunin is by no means a wealthy territory. You can say that again. It's hard to farm mud. The, ba <laughs> the bayo and the swamps are crisscrossed by trods, but there are few roads, and while there are plenty of steadings, they tend to be small and relatively isolated. The largest settlement in Thurunin is probably Peak Edge Stead, on the western border, with Rykos, but even there its size is mostly due to the lingering highborn exiles. The excitement around the future of Seren in the Aran, the factually better territory it must be said, has highlighted the perception that one of the three Navari territories is still practically wilderness. For these people, the prompting of the Cardinal of Prosperity could not have come at a better time, and after a great deal of discussion, the Virtuous have three proposals that might help improve the prosperity of Thurunin. Number one, the Song of Thorns. The largest and best-known settlement in Thurunin is that of Pekedstead, as I said, and built amidst the branches of immense ancient trees, the tranquil steading is a renowned centre for the study and practice of herb law and healing. There are reasonable roads connecting it to the steading of High Calchas in Rykos and to High Watch in Morrow that make it a popular stopping-off point for Imperial merchants especially those wanting to trade with the Navarre. It is certainly one of the most prosperous places in Thurunin, not really saying much, but the brokers propose the construction of something that will transform it into the most prestigious place to study herb law 
and medicine in the empire. So quite the uh, quite the claim, but maybe the Anvil Hospital might get a little bit jealous of. So anyway, the details. The Grand Hospital, called Thornsong House, uh, to build it in Therunin would require a Senate commission, 120 wains of weirwood, 240 crowns, 9 months to complete, and an upkeep of 10 thrones each season. Now I know that I think Leafadin as a territory costs to have a 20 or 40 to the Imperial Purse. So considering this is one building, and it costs, let's say, at at worst, a quarter of a territory to maintain. That is a tad expensive. Admittedly, not an expert here, dear listeners, but that sounds a bit pricey. 120 wains of weirwood is an eye-watering amount. Uh, 240 crowns is probably pocket change, however. Money is, I hate to say this, money is almost worthless in Empire. So, yeah, the wains of weirwood are the real hard part there. The Thornsinger would be a new imperial title, um, appointed annually by the herb garden owners of Navarre. So similar to how the thimble is elected, I believe. So a uh, cool thing for us there. In addition to a ministry, the Thornsinger would oversee development of new ways for imperial apothecaries to use herbs. And if work on the project has not begun by the start of summer, uh, 385, so that's a year from this year's E3, Enthusiasm, love that word, enthusiasm for the project amongst the prosperous citizens of Therunin will have faded. So basically, we've got a year to get this done. Whilst every imperial nation practices the arts of physic and apothecary, the Navarre consider themselves the true masters of herb law in the empire, and I don't think that is misplaced. There is good evidence to suggest it was the Navarre that brought the secrets of Lao to the Highborn, and many of the potions used in the Empire were developed by the Navarre, although others claimed they were acquired whilst travelling the trots. But hey, don't hate the winner. Now, there is a chance to build on that heritage. Peak Edge Song is a popular destination for Highborn healers, and benefits from regular trade with the herb gardens of Rykos. The Great Forest Orcs of the Lower Tarn Valley also provide invaluable new perspectives on the techniques for brewing potions. Indeed, these talented herbalists, the Orcs, claim to have originated several potions that the Druze then stole from them and are only now becoming known across the Empire. By building on these relationships and by making Peak Edge Song a beacon for Imperial apothecaries, they propose to create a college for the study of herb law unmatched in the Empire, and the heart of this college would be a weirwood hall and a set of herb gardens built around it, and possibly around one of the largest trees in Peak Edge itself, thus the name Thornsong House. Now it will cost 120 wains, as I, uh, as I said, alongside 240 crowns, 9 months upkeep, 10 thrones each season to maintain. As a unique structure, it will need to be commissioned by the Imperial Senate, and when complete, it will be the premier site for the study of herbs and create an Imperial title. The well-worn path for appointing this national position would be via the tally of votes, so this would be the herb garden owners of the VAR. The Thornsinger will actually oversee a ministry as part of this hospital as well, so ministries, of those who don't know, are... Um, 
Hang on a second. Yep. Thank you. Gosh, I love the pause button. Ministries are like sinecures, where essentially, if you're responsible for one, uh, you get to buy stuff in bulk. There's a bunch of them in the Empire. Like, it's, you know, for example, a mining ministry or sinecure, you can, um, you know, let's say 30 crowns will get you, like, 40 or 50 ingots of metal. So typically below the market price of around about a crown per resource. And they're pretty good. Uh, they are pretty good. So it's cool that there's a ministry built into this. And that ministry will allow them to secure both healing herbs and medicinal potions. More importantly, however, they will guide the herb masters of the empire in expanding their mastery of herb law. Once the title is appointed, the Thornsinger will be presented with three potential avenues of investigation that could be pursued over the coming year. They get to announce which one to focus on in the Imperial Senate. The Navarre will work with their allies to pursue this research and uncover new ways to use herbs. Each such project will require a large amount of these herbs, and they will need to be provided by Imperial citizens, because of course they will. It's going to take at least a year, and Magic will not be able to speed up this process. And on an um, out-of-character note here as well, the project will be handled in a similar way to a Senate commission in that any character will be able to donate herbs or money to its completion during downtime. So when you get off field, log on to your character account and you can submit your cash. To do so though, this, this caught me out the first time, uh, you've got to actually check in your cash and resources at the end of an event. So let's say after 3 p.m. on a Sunday, you go to God's, the queue will be fairly chunky, let's say, you know, if, you, if you're not in a rush, feel free to come back later. Um, you go up, you put your stuff in a baggie, you sign a paper form saying like, you know, this is 10 thrones with four wains of Weirwood and 10 ingots of Orochalcum, for example. You pop that in, they count it up and they'll credit your account once downtime has been uh, processed. And then you log on and you can pick the options of where to spend your cash, your hard-earned cash and resources. So there are, here we go, it's talking about the ministry. So there's two, the Gardens of Song and the Hand of the Healer. So I think they'll have access to both of these from what I can see, which is awesome. Uh, the Garden of Song is going to be, um, it's all based in crowns, and in return they will get um, doses of herbs. So let's say um, 30 crowns, here we go, that's there. So 30 crowns will net you 12 doses of True Vervain, 12 doses of Marowort, and 26 other random herbs. So those other randoms will be Ceruleum, Mezzanine, Mazarin. Sorry, I keep saying Mezzanine. Ceruleum, Mazarin, Laid Root, and there is another one that I have forgotten. But either way, apart from Vervain and... Like, Vervain itself goes for less than a crown. Usually it's probably worth about 10 to... 15 rings that's very generous i'd say right about the 13 12 13 mark is where i usually sell it for um so let, let's call it 10 to make the masses. that's 120 rings um it's all right but 12 doses of marowort in theory marowort goes for a crown but it's its main use is in potions i would say it's unfortunately for us players marowort isn't used very often because it's used to stave off the effect of being terminal pretty much so 
since most players don't go terminal every event, the demand for mana is low from a physic point of view, but from a potion side, it can be useful. But because physics, I would say, are more popular than apothecaries, there's, there's less demand for this um, particular herb. But it's the other 26 that really matter. Those were all like, you know, blade roots, you've got venoms, um, ceruleum, mazarin, nailed it. Ceruleum, mazarin will go sometimes for more than a crown a pop, but at the barest minimum, if you're not getting a crown for a dose of ceruleum or sesmez for short, uh, you, you're getting scammed. But that's 26 doses of crown worthy herbs, plus another 24 of an even split between Vervain and Marowart. So for 30 crowns, that's a really good deal. That's a really good value for um, for that ministry. Um, and these these range all the way from 7 crowns, which gets you sort of right about, I'd say about 11 crowns from reading this, 11 crowns worth of resources, all the way up to 65 crowns going in, which will net you maybe 75 crowns at the end. So I'm sure you could be more efficient going around Anvil and being a particularly good salesperson or haggler. However, you know, for the person who owns this ministry, they're going to have a great time printing money. And also, they'll be able to collect money from the nation, buy these herbs, and then stuff them straight back into other opportunities. So it's going to be a really cool way of getting more herbs into the nation, which we desperately need. The other ministry, uh, the Hand of the Healer that I mentioned before that rant, uh, this is for potions, which is actually really cool. I don't think I've seen one of these before. So for seven cra Oh my goodness. <laughs> so ap apologies, listeners. Once again, pause button. What a thing. Yeah, um, the reason I pause there is that uh, these, these potion productions are pretty great. Uh, so for seven crowns, which is the lowest level for the hand of the healer, uh, you get one sovereign specific. It itself is worth at least five crown. Uh, one maledix medicament. One tranquil nostrum. One anodyne anod analgesic. Yeah, analgesic. One anodyne analgesic. And two elixir vitaes. Uh, elixir vitaes, your basic health pot in, uh, in Empire. And the others, I think, sort of do a mixture of anti-venom and anti-cleave, that kind of that kind of stuff. Um, it's a really, really, yeah, anti-traumatic wounds for the anodyne analgesic. Nailed it. So yeah, uh, for seven crowns, that is a ridiculously good trade, and that is pretty awesome. Um, and then if we go up to sixty-five crowns at the maximum end, we've got five sovereign specifics, five maledix medicaments. So it's just all the same potion. Oh no, it's not. Uh, five Sovereigns, five Maledicts, five Tranquil Nostrums, five Elixir Vitaes, three Anodynes, and then three Ossian Solutions as additionals. And the Ossian Solution is an anti-cleave uh, potion. Um, that is awesome. That is really cool. Okay. It might shock and surprise you, listeners, but when I do these kind of articles, uh, I do not read them beforehand, so I discover them as I go, and this... Let's call it informal style. I'm going to try and experiment with. Uh, I'm shocked. <laughs> that is that's awesome. Damn. Okay, great. So, conclusion to option number one from the prosperity. Uh, I guess yeah, the cardinal of prosperity for Thorunin. Song of Thorns is a hospital. It's going to be expensive to maintain, but the person who gets the title is going to be rolling in it, and also their 
the ability to buy that many herbs it's going to really enable the nation to take advantage of opportunities so at first glance solid 8 out of 10 opportunity it's pretty good let's go to number 2 uh, fever dreams so this is where the docks at fever water uh, that i mentioned earlier could get us access to the druge lands could be significantly expanded thanks to recent information about sarin grave so the, the docks in Fever Water are ancient, uh, jutting keys of white granite and weirwood that may date back to the height of the Terranale Empire. They are built in the ruins of quite a large settlement and much larger than would be appropriate if they were merely used for fishing. Kind of implying here that it was more of a trade hub originally. The advisor on the Valorn recently commissioned the Department of Historical Research to look into the docks, whilst the Imperial heroes mapped the parts of the Malum on the other side of the lake, the territory of Sarengrave. The appraisal commissioned by the Imperial Senate regarding the feasibility of raising a, uh, a slave rebellion in Druze territory has brought to light the presence of the Bloodwater Spears, a um, group of orcs that lives along the eastern banks. It also confirmed the suspicion that the shores of the far eastern third of the lake are dominated by the Valorn of Bintal Dol. As a consequence, interest in the fever water, and especially the docks, is heightened at the moment. Um, so a little bit to digest there. So basically we've got Thurunin, there's a lake, and on the other side is Druze territory. We've sent some hero slash spy slash military unit, I believe, to go and have a look at inciting a slave rebellion in Druze territory. That is not going to be easy because the Druze are incredibly good at controlling their population through fear. So if you're going to start a rebellion, you better be damn sure you're going to win. And then also the advice on the Valorn is not exclusively limited to making Valorn related decisions, although in this case it's, you know, it, it's kind of bridge the gap between a a bit of a lawn management of Bintal Dol, which is on the other side of the lake as well, but then also getting those commissions to look into historical research on the docks themselves, which weren't originally associated with the Valorn. So yeah, um, it's really interesting at the moment, and my friend, uh, sorry, I say, I can't say friend, I see, uh, the Senator for Thurunin, uh, Travid Longest Path, has been particularly keen on these docks for a long time so it's really cool to see that these have sprung to the fore in the summer of 379 so this will be five years ago the imperial senate created the post of dredge master of fever water to oversee the docks and dredge the depths for valuables the operation has always been limited in scale due to the dangers of the marshes uh read hydras and forests read Druge that border the fever water. Uh, between the hydra and intermittent rates of the Druge, there we go, I, I nailed it, um, it is difficult to maintain any strong presence on the shores of the fever water. And then in the autumn of 378, so the year before that title was created, the first forays into the southeastern end of fever water were planned but ultimately scrapped. Now, however, the Empire has a much better idea of the terrain along both sides of the lake and presents an opportunity. So we could expand the docks, as I mentioned at the, at the top. This is where the ruins would be converted into a fortified steading 
and its remit would be greatly expanded. So think that trading hub that we were talking about earlier. The building up of the setting would require a Senate commission, just like the other opportunity, six wains of white granite and 12 wains of weirwood, and then 36 crowns in labor, and it would only take three months to complete. So in comparison to the 120 wains of, let me check, weirwood, I believe. Yep, 120 wains of weirwood, eye-wateringly expensive. Uh, that is 480 thrones. <coughs> in comparison, six wains of white granite and 12 of weirwoods takes us to around about just shy of like 80 thrones, depending on market rates for this. So significantly cheaper, but also 36 crowns in labor. So that's just, yeah, just under five throne. Um, again, sensors can probably do that with pocket change. And three months to complete is between now and next event. So this would be a much cheaper and quicker opportunity. Um, realistically, before we dive into it, gonna be a spoiler. It's probably not gonna be as good as the other one, but let, let's see how it goes. Those parts of the East Ashes that are not entirely underwater are wild marshes dominated by dripping ancient mangrove trees. And even before, even before the fall of Zenith, the region was a regular target for Jews' raids and for monster attacks as well. While there are several steadings in the area, they tend to be built in the northwestern parts of the region and they're best uh, to guard against the Valorn of Sweetglades. With the encouragement of the Cardinal of Prosperity ringing in their ears, a group of Navari brokers have joined the researchers heading to the docks on the fever water to make their own assessment of the situation there. And that news is not particularly good. The air quotes here, wealth of the fever water, such as it comes from recycling what amounts to rubbish drawn from the thick layer of silt at the bottom of the lake. So, when I said earlier, sarcastically farming for mud, I wasn't really being that sarcastic. It's, it's pretty much what they do. Uh, marchers get jealous. You might, you know, you might farm the earth, but we're now farming the earth underwater. It's dangerous work and rarely provides anything of real value. Worse, the dredging boats themselves are restricted to the northwestern end of the lake due to the, you know, druge and monsters along the wilder southern and eastern banks. In the eyes of these brokers, the key represents a wasted opportunity, and they have a proposal to significantly improve its worth to Navarre. So using the old Terranale ruins as a starting point, or Terunial if you're going to pronounce it properly, but screw you. If we're going to use that as a starting point, they proposed that a fortified steading was, would be built around the docks, and that the piers themselves would be restored and expanded. In addition to the flat-bottomed dredging boats that already use them, they proposed building a number of faster launches intended specifically to protect the dredgers when they are about their business, allowing them to push into the Sarangrave half of the lake and the presumably untouched bounty waiting there. The valuable mud, you could say. So basically building escort ships uh, for the traders and for the, uh, the mud farmers. In addition, they proposed that the... Um, Dredging boats be supplemented with other boats intended not to drag the bottom of the lake, but to venture into the marshes and forests along the shores of the fever water. A uh, preliminary summary 
indicates that whilst these areas are hard to navigate by land, they can be reached with ease by boats. And such raiding boats would need to give the Druze settlement in the Bloodwater Marshes a wide berth, uh, at least for now, because it's a heavily fortified settlement. But expanding the operations there would greatly improve the Dredgemaster's impoverished income. <laughs> Even on the article here, impoverished. Great. So, the, pro the uh, proposal would need to be commissioned by the Imperial Senate, and to take advantage of the existing ruins, it would be white granite and weirwood, 6 and 12 respectively, plus 36 crowns in 3 months. Not bad. Firstly, the ability to dredge parts of the southern and eastern depths of the lake, as well as the northwestern end, would double the amount of metal recovered each season from four. Oh my goodness. Wow. So the current Imperial Dredge Master gets four ingots a season, and that will double to eight. Hopefully you can hear that, that applause. That is great news. That is a 50% return on investment. Wow, look at that. Sorry, 100% return on investment. Um, gosh, I can't count today. That is, um, sorry, that is, that's making me smile because that's such a, <laughs> that's such a, a paltry amount, but <laughs> at the same time, awesome. That's great. Um, love it. So, <laughs> secondly, going from four to eight random shiny pieces of metal every season, the Dreshmaster could also be prepared to pay for some thorns or even mercenaries or from other Imperial nations. If so, the boats on the fever water would be able to push into the Druze-dominated areas of Bloodwater Marsh and occupied Zenith, as well as launching raids against the shores. The more the Dredgemaster pays, the more effective these efforts would be, increasing the bounty of metals, <laughs> the paltry bounty of metals recovered from their depths, as well as providing ambergelt, beggar's lie, and healing herbs. With enough dominance of the fever water, it might even be possible to bring a little ilium out of its depths. This would function as a... Go on, have a think. What's our word of the day, almost? It's ministry! Yes, this would function as a ministry, so let's have a look at that. So it doesn't have a cool name, so let's just call it... Uh, the, mud, the Muddied Docks Ministry. Um, starting right at the bottom, for seven crowns, you'd get three random metals, three measures of ambergelt, three measures of beggar's lie, two doses of true vervain, and two doses of random herbs. I mean, that, that's a good return. Uh, so all the metals there, ambergelt and beggar's lie, would be a crown each. So that is nine crowns. Two doses of vervain is another crown. And then two, do two doses of random herbs would be maybe another couple crowns if you're lucky and get two says mes uh, for example so 9 10 11 12 so put in seven crowns and get 12 out it's not it's not bad it's all right however the ring of ilium is very very spicy so that would uh, jumping right to the other end of the scale for 65 crowns you get 10 random metals 19 amber gelts 15 beggars lie 10 vervain 10 random herbs and one ring of ilium. The ring of ilium itself is what throws this way into the uh, into the black, if you want to use the financial term here, because the ring of ilium itself can, especially now we've lost our, one of our key ilium sources uh, that was in the Brass Coast, to the Grendel with the Ferozium Peace Treaty. 
we actually have a short supply of ilium and that's pretending that it wasn't in short supply already so your know, one ring of ilium as far as i'm aware used to go for five rings and it might go for seven or so now seven or eight uh seven or eight thrones bear in mind so it is an extremely valuable piece of uh it's called star metal and 65 rounds for that great deal because you also get 10 random metals and 19 and 15 beggars lie and amber gelt so that's going to take us to 30 uh, 45 with the vervain uh 50 10 random herbs it's called 757 minus 156 so yeah you're looking around 56 crowns of resources before you put the ring of ilium on top so yeah you're probably making about three th three thrones worth of value at the barest minimum on that which is great that's 24 crown pretty good uh, and also just but the fact is ilium means that not only you're you just trading metals at the market for cakes and sweets like i do uh ilium allows you to start taking part and in influencing some major major events uh, such as the creation of national artifacts so that is actually pretty cool so i bet the the dredge master is incredibly happy with this opportunity um it, ooh. in addition to this there is a conjunction available an opportunity to explore a wreck wedged beneath the surface of the fever water the civil service suggests that the dredge master of fever water might be in the best position to organize the mission so the confrontation with some of the Therunan outlaws during the spring equinox resulted in the rescue of one Merrell, the first advisor on the Valorn, who had apparently been kidnapped whilst exploring some Terunial ruins near the docks. It seems that rather than leave the area, Merrill has continued to investigate certain leads and his researches have borne unexpected fruit. The discovery of an ancient petrified boat wedged partially in an airfield cave at the bottom of the fever water. The wreck is very old, potentially terunial origin, and seems to be incredibly well preserved. Merrill has been unable to reach the wreck himself, and indeed when he attempted to do so, he sustained, I quote here, vicious injuries from the local wildlife but had left him unable to visit Anvil this season in person. Fair enough. Getting mauled by a particularly large catfish will stop you from <laughs> stop you from walking. <laughs> Instead, he has sent news of its existence to Anvil in a letter. And with some careful investigation later, the civil service have confirmed that there is indeed a conjunction of the Sentinel Gate leading to a location beneath the fever water that seems to be this air-filled cave. Uh, the gate will open at one in the afternoon on Saturday and will provide access to the cave for no more than half a dozen people. So six. Given the location and what details Merrill has been able to provide, it seems likely that the dredge master would be the person to organize this. And there are two potential problems. The wreck that went down in waters appears to have been infected with a kind of venomous freshwater octopus native to the seven grave oh my god that's great and whilst the creatures themselves are unlikely to be more than a nuisance there are signs of something larger a predator preying on the nasty little cephalopods lairing in the vicinity of the wreck anyone venturing 
through the gate, we'll need to make careful preparations. So basically, we've got Poison Octopus Boy and either a Mega Squid, a Kraken, or Cthulhu in there as well. So with six people, that's probably going to be an absolutely awesome fight. Um, getting onto that skirmish is going to be difficult, I won't lie. But I'm sure with the Dredge Master being so uh, impoverished, maybe bribe your way on. Walk up and say, I'll fund uh, the first, um, let's say the first production batch from your ministry, if it gets built, and um, get that Ring of Ilium for him. So yeah, um, that'd be really cool. So that is option two. Overall, cheaper, quicker, and comes with poisonous octopuses. Um, I've got to give that a 9 out of 10. The Ilium is really cool. The return on investment for the Ministry is, is pretty solid. Um, it, it does affect, I would say, less people. Uh, because the, the first one, the Thornsong House, that Ministry generates a lot of herbs, which you can pump back into the nation. And like for Navarre, being able to research new um, new things would be really, really cool. However, with the fever water, it could lead to larger trade winds. It could be a new port for the Empire. It could be a way of actually assaulting Druze lands via sea. And also getting access to Ilium at the moment is really important. And oh, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's got a solid 9 out of 10 because there's big fish somewhere. And you know we can confirm if Capullo exists or not. So yeah, um, pretty damn cool, I think. Um, one side note here is that I actually missed out part of the Thornsong House opportunity. So let's quickly go back to part one again. So this is the hospital, 120 wanes of Weirwood. Very expensive, but really good return for potions and for herbs. Um, there's actually a couple paragraphs I missed, so apologies. So once complete uh, for the hospital, the project will produce something similar to a schema or a ritual text. A, a herbal is, is the technical term, but let's call it a herbal text. Uh, and this can be studied to learn how to make a new potion. This will be delivered to the Thornsinger, uh, the position title, who will be solely responsible for determining what happens with it, i.e. do they hoard information and hide it from the rest of the nation for two years? Or do they actually use it immediately for the betterment of the nation? We'll see. They could choose to keep the herbal to themselves and share it with a select few, or ask the Senate to make its contents, its contents available to every Imperial apothecary. The latter would cost um, 10 thrones in the Senate motion, but we would get a new potion as apothecaries. It's pretty cool. In anticipation of this Thornsong house being built, the herb masters of Peak Edge have put forward three promising avenues of research that they could pursue. Number one, studying the comparatively recent Talonvine infusion tonic, a similar potion that uses realm's root and vital honey rather than ilium could be created. This would likely open the door to creating some similar tonics for empowering magicians in the other five realms. So Talonvine infusion is a uh, essentially a spring-based potion that allows you to buff your buff your casting. And the idea here is that it currently uses Ilium uh, to make it, which is, as I mentioned earlier, expensive AF. However, we could swap that out for Realm's Root and Vital Honey, which are less common but 
much easier to get hold of than Ilium. And we can use that to not create just that tonic for spring, but also the other five realms as well. So bolstering the empire's magical potency. It's pretty cool. Option two, building on some of the principles involved in the uh, tonics of the open sky. I believe these were given to us by the Imperial, no, sorry, the um, Lower Tarn Valley orcs, uh, the Great Forest orcs, that's it. And uh, a tonic could be developed that provides protection from the Valorn Miasma to the drinker. So kind of like a, a liquid version of a Abraxas stone, which is pretty cool. And then option three is expanding on the law of the filters of the high peaks, a tonic that greatly enhances the magical reserves of uh, magicians. And this could be created alongside the other three as well. Uh, as an OC note as well, a tonic that grants the drinker an additional three points of personal mana for an extended duration. So the differences between option one and three there, as far as I'm aware, is option one will give ritualists more power because they can they can add three additional ranks to their casting and then option three here will give that let's say battle mages three points of extra personal mana so that's like another three shatters or three um paralyzes on the front line so that's that's pretty cool actually that's pretty good um so yeah sorry for that slight aside i'm going to upgrade my score for the hospital to a nine out of ten because Lots of herbs, really cool medical roleplay, big opportunity, and we get some new potions as well, all of which are going to be really useful to Navarre. Downside is it's very expensive. Option two, fever dreams at the docks, as we mentioned, metals, octopuses, small, cheap, all good, nine out of ten, uh, but a limited, I'd say a more limited, wider impact. And then finally, option three that you've all been dying to hear is around good neighbours. So, uh, oh no, apologies. No, good neighbours is part of the Fever Water wreck. Excellent. So, to stay on part two, sorry for confusing you all. The Great Forest Orcs are also part of this Fever Water docks opportunity. They've been living alongside the Navarre of Therunian for some years now, and with minor exceptions, the relationship has been friendly but guarded. They have never made any secret of the fact that their ultimate goal is to return to their homes under the ease of Paytat, however. When news of the Imperial armies fighting in the Barrens reaches them, it energises many of the Orcs of the Great Forest, and there is a great deal of discussion as to what this means for their, for their clan, essentially. What quickly becomes clear is that not every Great Forest Orc plans to return to the Barrens. Some have developed friendships with their neighbours, and settled down, had families. Whilst others have become enamoured with the idea of travelling the trods to visit the remnants of the Great Forest all over the Empire. Still others have taken up permanent residence at Peak Edge Song, studying and in turn sharing their own techniques with the Navarre. And whilst the majority want to go home, they also recognise the debt they owe to their hosts. And when the brokers, encouraged by the Cardinal, speak to their neighbours and approach their counterparts, the Great Forest Orcs they find are not only very receptive, but ready with proposals of their own. One is straightforward, the other is potentially more controversial. Hmm, okay. Let me use this magical pause button one more time because I'm not sure whether good neighbours is 
actually part of these three high-level opportunities. Two seconds, citizens. Cool. All right, then. So it looks like I made another mistake, so apologies. Uh, the good neighbors section with the great forest orcs seems to be option three, as, uh, as far as I'm aware. There's actually like a, you could guess like a 3.5 at the bottom of it, and that's what threw me off. But anyway, great forest orcs have some proposals for us. So uh, to, to bring us back to the high level, we've got hospital, docks, and now we've got orcs. The orcs have two options for us. Um, Song of the Green and Dream of the Future. Number one, Song of the Green, is that any Navarre in Thurunin will need one fewer wane of Weirwood to upgrade their herb garden with the aid of the Great Forest Orcs. And the opportunity remains available until the start of the Summer Solstice 385, so that's a whole year to do so. Uh, the Orcs are adept at working with Weirwoods and their ability to build the precious material outstrips that of the Empire as evidenced by structures such as the Holt of the Oak, uh, their home. They've been using this skill and the access to Weirwood from the Thimble to cultivate many herb gardens and farms in the Lower Tarn Valley. Now that their security is reasonably well established, they propose to visit the herb garden of any Navarre in Thurudin who will welcome them and employ their affinity for the precious wood to help improve the supply of herbs. And as a result, you get a minus one discount to upgrading your herb garden. So the, the way um, upgrading herb gardens works, you need uh, a wane of weirwood to do so. And uh, for well, you need a wane of weirwood per level that you're trying to get to. So everybody, as you spawn in with a new character, with a herb garden, you have a level one herb garden. To get to level two, you need two wanes of weirwood because the number of weirwood is equal to the level you're going to. So for th level three, you would need three wanes, four, you need four. And what this is doing is giving you a discount on that cost. So to get up to level two now, instead of costing two, it will only cost one. So that's a pretty major discount. And I believe what a um, an upgraded level adds is something like 20% to your output. So 20%, you know, let's say you get eight for vein, eight true for vein, for example, you'll get like one or one or two extra for vein and maybe one or two other herbs at random, maybe a Sesmez, fingers crossed, uh, in your player pack. It is by no means anywhere near worth those, let's say you spend four thrones in the Weirwood. It's not worth that yet. However, long term, you make your money back if your character survives. And I believe what you can do is actually, um, if your character dies, you can write a will and leave that to another member of your striding, for example. So if you're planning to be around for a while, this could be a really good opportunity because it's cheap at the moment. If you have a random wane of weirwood lying around, why not? Because it feels like with all of these opportunities, herbs are going to be incredibly important soon. Is that relevant to Leafadin and potentially destroying off a lawn? I think that's just happy dreaming. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, that's Song of the Green. Option number two, dream of the future. If the Senate will assure the great forest orcs of their intention to cede the ease of Paytat to them, then their gratitude will extend to every Navarre in the Empire. In addition, they will help to cultivate the thimble, permanently increasing its production. 
However, this opportunity is only available at the summer solstice this year, so E3. The, to go into more detail, the Great Forest Orcs have several times mentioned that what they really want is to return to their homes on the edge of the Great Forest of Paytac. Their people have apparently lived in the, the heart for untold generations, and even when they laboured under the tyranny of the Druze, they did not abandon the forest. They tended the they tended the weirwood groves known as the eaves of Paytap, practicing their traditions and venerating the ancient trees. With the Empire again active in the Barrens and inspired by the brokers, they have made a request of the Imperial Senate and offered their support to Navarre in turn. They ask that the Imperial Senate pass a Senate motion, agreeing that once the Barrens is an Imperial territory, they will give the heart of Paytat and by extension the Weirwood Grove there, to the Great Forest Orcs. In return, their woodshapers will spend the next year travelling the trods with the Navarre, visiting Miaran, Hakinia, and even Rakeliand, offering their expertise to expand herb gardens there, just as they are doing so in Thirunin. Furthermore, their tree tenders will help to cultivate the thimble in Thirunin, expanding its production by two wanes each season, so an extra eight per year. I believe it currently produces 20 per... Is it 20 per year or is it 20 per event? Let's have a quick look. Bum, 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 bum. So yeah, one by Idris Eternal for the last uh, four, five, six years, and then Neme taking it uh, last year. The production itself is 20 each season. So you know what? That is 10% increase. In return for losing a weirwood grove and part of the empire. Uh, okay, that's perhaps a more difficult pill to swallow. And uh, in my humble opinion, perhaps not worth it. But anyway, let's read on. Uh, the Great Forest Orcs have been receiving a portion of the bounty of the Thimble and will continue to do so until they return to the Barrens. I think they get something like a quarter of it at the moment. So we kick them out. We get a fully, we get our full production of the Thimble plus 10%. But in return, we lose land, a whole Weirwood Grove, and we're not sure how much that produces. But at the moment, it's not in our hands, so it's technically not. You know, we're not gaining anything from it at the moment. And we'll also get the opportunity to up, to upgrade our herb gardens in the rest of Navarre. Which is, you know, I think it's good. I don't think it's great, though. Obviously, the Senate uh, making a decision now cannot bind the hands of future senators. But that is not what the Great Forest Orcs are asking for. They simply want a public commitment from the Imperial Senate to return to return to their homes to them sorry they want the imperial senate to make a public commitment that once they return to their homes and when the baron is conquered they'll do so and in that event such a future senate could choose to ignore the promise made to the orcs but there would be likely significant repercussions that sentence was an absolute train wreck let's try again the <laughs> essentially yeah the um they want a statement of intent. Uh, the Great Forest Orcs want a statement of intent. And we could always go back on our word um, once the time comes up. 
I mean, hell, we, you know, theoretically, we could just exterminate them or kick them out, you know, put them on a boat into the fever water and say goodbye to them. Take both of our weirwood groves and our land and, okay, yes, we wouldn't get such a uh, a cheap opportunity to upgrade upgrade herb gardens, but frankly, like the money we'd get from all that weirwood, we could just plow that back into the hospital and then get as many, you know, a lot more herbs that way. So, yeah, I think the Great Forest Orcs option there is not is not particularly strong. Um, the, you know, the downside of betraying them as well is that um, they could come back to bite us later. They could rejoin the Druge, for example, or simply assist the Druge and not assist us, tell them of our, um, you know, territory layouts, you know, military information, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, I suppose it is a, you know, it's a nice, in air quotes, a nice idea to be honest with them and help them out. But nice is not a virtue. And overall, what they're offering is not as good value as the Fever Water Docks or of the Thornsong House Hospital. So, yeah, um, I'm going to give that a 5 out of 10 overall. That is, um, yeah, it's mediocre. All right. I talked about a little 3.5, and this is about a lost Lao garden. So this isn't entirely related to the orcs, but it is a little bit. Uh, during the spring equinox of 383, so that was spring last year, uh, one of the knight errants of Dawn, of House de Rondel, uh, led a group of heroes through the Sentinel Gate to a location just outside of Sweetglades. The expedition apparently uncovered the lost Lao garden of Thorunen, a sinecure built in the early days of the Empire that sought to harness the fecundity of the Valorn to grow Venom more efficiently. The garden was believed to be overrun and destroyed during the reign of Emperor Nikavar, but it seems that Eadric, uh, the knight in question, and their companions were able to clear the Valorn spawn from the remains of the old facility. Details are hazy, but it seems that in the wake of their visit, the briars of the Tarn Valley and the Great Forest Orcs recovered a large supply of preserved Venom sap and a number of pieces of equipment related to its refinement. The Briars have proposed using the equipment to begin refining their own Lao, give them, uh, well, and gave the name of one of their people, Ursol Gwyn, who was prepared to receive missives from Imperial citizens. The question of what to do with the Venom and the equipment if anything, has still not been fully resolved. Uh, there is a separate wind of fortune as well uh, for this, uh, called Long Walk Home. On top of the Lost Lao Garden, there's been some trouble brewing. Since the spring equinox, there have been several reports of an outlaw gang <laughs> operating in southern east marshes. Uh, sorry, southern east ashes. During the equinox, a band of imperial heroes and militia travelled there via the Sentinel Gate, and gave them a good smack. However, the potential threat of the lawless bandits has by no means been dealt with. It seems that some of them are former Navarre, displaced from Brikeliand and Liafathan, whilst others are convicted criminals who are unable or unwilling to pay fines imposed by imperial magistrates. I wonder who those bandits could possibly know. Perhaps one former deceased. Beautiful, beautiful criminal. Anyway, there's no information 
about how many there are or how organized. For the most part, they seem to be more interested in raiding the Druze in the Zenith than attacking Imperial citizens. However, there has been some harassment aimed at travelers walking the trods in East Ashes. And for the moment, the magistrates are monitoring the situation. Whilst nothing too serious has happened so far, some of the settings of Thrunin are a little nervous given recent events in Varushka. With the possibility that the Druze might actually be driven out of Zenith, those outlaws will presumably need to find new targets for their raids. And uh, the nervousness that's been generated from Varushka is around another Winter Fortune uh, for the town of Isemba uh, in Varushka. Basically, it's full of possessed... Um, <laughs> it's full of possessed bandits and outlaws, and also inside, I believe, there's a plague wolf. So I am personally super fucking hyped for that skirmish. I won't get on, but I really want to. However, uh, yeah, big problem over there, so it's causing some problems down here too. But there we have it, that's it. That is Wind of Fortune Make a Deal, and with three broad options for Navarre in Therunum. A nice hospital, an expensive one, albeit, but of course, medical care is pricey. We've got the Fever Water Docks, if you want to engage with octopuses and stuff like that, which sounds wicked. And then finally, the Great Forest Orcs continue to be lame as hell and offer us a, a mixed bag um, again, a, a 5 out of 10 overall. You know, people upgrading herb gardens is not very... You know, it's it's cool, don't get me wrong, but from like a financial, and perhaps read, efficiency point of view here, it's... The return on investment is going to be very, very, very long term, and to make it really worth it, we'd have to start pumping weir... giving weirwoods into Navarre for the rest of the Empire, which of course won't want to share it, and then selling it to citizens and herb garden owners who are notoriously poor in Navarre to then slowly get a return on investment across the next five years. Um, not, not the best plan, I think. It could work, however, if, and hear me out here, is that the Empire, or at least the Senate, provides funding for the purchasing of Weirwood. Uh, within Anvil, that is purchased and then given for free to Navari uh, healers, physics, and apothecaries to upgrade their gardens. However, going onwards from that, there is an expectation that Navari healers will heal others for free using the herbs that they gain. So over the years, they start to they contribute more, but uh, they sorry over the years the uh, physics will get more herbs but that will cover the cost of them using their existing herb stocks uh, to heal the heroes of Anvil. So perhaps it could be that kind of long-term view that makes this quite efficient. But anyway, I'm not a senator. What do I know? As a final note, I don't think these are all mutually exclusive. No. I don't think they are. Though we could just get all three done. I think the the Orcs one and the Fever Water Docks would be easy. Uh, the hospital would be a little bit more difficult. But we've got a year to do it, so it's, it's, it's doable. And especially if we sort out the Orcs and the Barons relatively soon and get full production of the Thimble back. 
120 wanes of weirwood if we get 22 per season for a year that brings us up to 88 we only theoretically need to make up the remaining uh 32 somehow and multiply that by four 120 uh, yeah it's still gonna be expensive as hell but yeah anyway um it could it could be really interesting to get all three of these built and turn Thurun into a powerhouse so there we are uh, dear listeners, a uh, different format of Winds of Fortune. I thought rather than just reading it, I would rant and bellow my way and express my uh, unqualified personal opinion on all the goings-ons in the Empire. But yeah, really interesting stuff. Hopefully you're all excited in the run-up to E3. I'm actually going to be away the next couple of weeks um, before Empire. I'm literally arriving back on, on the Thursday um, and coming on site. So this will be the last episode. Until then, have a great time. Get prepped. Bring a bunch of sun cream and some cooler clothes because it's probably going to be a scorcher. And I'll catch you on the battlefield. <laughs>